Hello, and welcome to Can't Make This Shit Up. I'm Cassie, a true crime enthusiast. Now, Mark, her dad, a true crime professional, a retired traffic homicide detective from South Florida. And we hope you guys enjoy. Hello, all you beautiful people out there. So I have to tell you, we've gotten a shit ton of feedback all about Waspray Gate of 2023. <laughs> ah, okay. Many of you out there have said that you utilize Waspray as a self-defense tool. Wow. Many people have claimed it is far superior to pepper spray. Okay, well. So I will have you know, I went out, I bought two cans. Okay. One for my car, one for my home. Oh, okay. So uh, if any attackers are out there listening, stay away from me, because I will not hesitate to whip out my trusty, dusty wasp spray okay. and give you a good dose down. All right. Guess the people have spoken. The people have spoken. All right. Uh, we even had one listener. I won't say her name because, uh, you know, no, she didn't yeah. give me permission to, but. She yeah, told yeah. me that she works in a hospital and that they keep it there at the hospital because, you know, obviously they have issues with people, you know. Right. Wow. Okay. So they, they keep it there for protection. All right. Well. From any, you know, um, disgruntled patients. I have to say it's funny that, that this is a, a topic or, you know, people know about it because in the 27 years of law enforcement and dealing with riot training and, you know, Things like that and, you know, dealing with pepper spray and like CS gas or tear gas and stuff like that. Never once was it ever a discussion of the possibility or potential of anyone using wasp spray, which is maybe, maybe it's a, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's not a thing in Florida because where I'm from. I had never heard of it myself until, you know, Kim asked her question, but. Yeah, I mean. Shout out to Kim. I'm glad you asked the question because I learned a thing or two about a thing or two. Yeah. And I mean. We used, you know, I had wasp spray in the house all the time because we had, you know, wasps and hornets and yellow jackets, like all kinds of good stuff down there in South Florida. But never once did I think, hmm, let me spray it at a human being. Well, you know, if somebody's coming at you, you're going to, you're just going to do what you got to do. But I will, I will say the disclaimer is, is that I'm, I normally, well, not normally, I'm always carrying a pistol. So. Yeah. You, you don't really have a need for wasp spray. Yeah. So this week. We are going to be covering a very important case, and I say important because it remains unsolved to this day. Okay. And I really think it's important to bring awareness to these sort of cases. Okay. Because inevitably, somebody out there knows something. Yeah, that's a true statement. So this week, we will be covering the unsolved murder of Susan Taraskowitz. Okay. So I looked up how to pronounce the last name. It is kind of a complicated one, but it's Taraskowitz. Okay. Susan preferred to be called Sue. Okay. So for the remainder of this episode, I'm going to refer to her as Sue. Now, there's not a whole lot of information actually out there on this case. Okay. So I kind of struggled to find as much information as I possibly could, but I think I did a pretty decent job. Okay. And it's still, like you said, an open investigation? Open, or still yep. unsolved? Okay. Correct. All right. So... There was an OG Unsolved Mysteries episode about this, and I searched high and low to try to find it. Could not find it anywhere, not on YouTube, nowhere. Wow, okay. So if anyone know, knows where I can find it and they want to send that over to me, I'd be grateful. 
but I was able to find a lot of information from pretty much news articles. So I'll link all of those in the show notes. Our story begins on September 14th, 1992 in Saugus, Massachusetts. Saugus is a fairly small town and in 1992 had a population of only 26,730 people. So pretty small. Yeah, by some standards, yes. Yes. So Saugus lies only about 11 miles northeast of Boston. And it only takes about 25 minutes to drive between the two. So this is pertinent to the case because Sue actually worked in Boston. She worked at the Logan Airport. Okay. And so she frequently made that drive between the two cities. Gotcha. All right. Sue was a bad bitch. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. Not only was Sue stunningly gorgeous, but by all accounts, she was also intelligent, kind, and extremely ambitious. Sue had begun her career at Logan Airport working for Northwest Airlines. So Northwest Airlines no longer exists okay, because it merged with Delta Airlines in 2008. All right. But in the late 80s and early 90s, Sue worked her way up within the company. She started out boarding customers onto the plane, then moved to cleaning the planes, and finally worked her way up to becoming a ramp supervisor within the company. And Sue was actually the first woman ever to hold that position within Northwest Airlines. Oh, okay. So pretty impressive. Absolutely. Sue's mother, Marlene, recalled, quote, she wanted to get on the ramp so bad, and the thing that she liked the most was de-icing the planes. Okay. Although Sue had actually gone to art school, and she ultimately dreamed of becoming a cartoonist, she loved working at the airport, and she put her all into her job. However, her climb up the ladder was not easy. And Sue faced a great deal of sexism throughout her career with Northwest Airlines, as at the time, like I said, the field was dominated by men. Right. And generally, the only positions females held within the company were that of stewardesses. Three years prior to getting her position as a ramp supervisor, Sue had applied for the position and was passed over for a man who Sue believed was much less qualified than she was. As a result, Sue filed a grievance within the company claiming that she had been the victim of sexism. After diligently fighting for three years, Sue ultimately won her case and was finally granted the promotion she deserved in the first place. And the company even agreed to give Sue back pay for those three years. Wow. So she really won. Like I said, Sue was a bad bitch. Yeah, deservedly so if she was qualified. and. As you can imagine, this definitely caused some animosity against Sue within the workplace. You think? Once Sue began working on the ramp, she flourished, and it was evident that she loved the job she'd fought for three years to earn. Her mother told Inside Edition, quote, she handled it very well. She'd come home and say, I handled 100,000 bags today. Okay. So I think Sue's mother, Marlene, she's a champion, and I'm pretty much obsessed with her as well. Okay. We'll learn. She's been fighting for justice for her daughter ever since her murder, doggedly. But the next thing Marlene had to say about Sue's job, I wasn't a big fan of. Mm. So Marlene also told Inside Edition, quote, it's not a job I wanted her to do. And I told her that I didn't think as a female, especially back then, it was a job for women. But she said that's what she wants to do. And I said, well, as long as you're careful and remember that you're a female. Okay. What's wrong with that? Well, come on. You already know your daughter's fighting against all of this sexism, and let's be real, that's a sexist statement. 
Yeah, but I think also for the time, it was probably, I'm sure, her own experiences as well. Unfortunately, women have been not treated well by men historically, you know, like whether it's in a sexual manner or just in a workplace or just in respect, in a respect level. I mean, I'm not going to say that she didn't mean it as a sexist comment, but she was probably like, just remember you're a woman and you're in a man's world. And I hate to say that because at the time, that's what she was dealing with. So. Yeah, just, I just just playing like devil's advocate. I would say that I didn't look at it from that lens, but yeah. I definitely think the whole you know, as long as you remember you're female, it's kind of, to me. It was kind of like a woman can do a quote unquote typical man's job and right. still be effeminate. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. I, I right again. So I don't know the context, but I I heard it as just remember you're still in that world. As a and female. Be, and be careful. And be careful because, you okay. know, unfortunately, you know, bad shit can still happen as probably will happen. And and it does. Yeah. And does happen. So honestly, I'm glad I, I'm glad I brought it up because that's not the way I looked at it, but that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, had a man said that like her, if maybe like her dad or then I would say 100%, but coming from the mom, just, Hey, remember we're still, you know, you're still female in, a, in the male dominated world. Right or wrong, just be careful. You know, yeah. Like, so, Although Sue was 27 in 1992 and she had a great position at the airport, Sue chose to live with her parents because the three had a very close and loving relationship and because Sue worked odd hours at the airport. So she was often out of the house. And besides her days off, she would usually only see her parents in passing because, you know, their hours didn't right. match up. Okay. The week prior to Sue's disappearance, it had been her mother's 50th birthday, and Sue, along with her two siblings and her parents, went out to dinner in Boston to celebrate. Unfortunately, this would be the last time the entire family was ever together. Marlene recalled, quote, I am very grateful for that. I mean, as sad as it is, I am just so glad that it was on such a special day. Sue had a reputation for never showing up to events on time. However, on this particular occasion, Sue had miraculously arrived home prior to the family's scheduled departure time. And to celebrate her timely arrival, Sue wrote across the family calendar in big letters, I was on time. <laughs> okay. I thought that was uh, kind of a funny detail. That is. <laughs> she acknowledged it herself, too. Like, hey, look at me. Yeah, it kind of showed her, I thought, fun kind of personality. Yeah. As I stated earlier... Although Sue lived with her parents, they often didn't see each other, as Sue frequently worked nights and weekends. However, her mother always knew when she'd been home because Sue would leave her dirty work clothes in a pile outside of her bedroom door. But on Sunday, September 13, 1992, there was no pile. Marlene immediately found this odd, as she knew Sue had worked an overnight shift the night before and should be asleep within her bedroom, but after checking to see that Sue wasn't in her room, Marlene simply assumed that Sue had ended up having to work overtime and hadn't made it home yet. Because that was a frequent occurrence okay. with Sue's job. Okay. So Marlene, or her husband, did not run into Sue for the rest of the day, or that night, but like I said, as this was not abnormal... Neither Marlene or her husband really thought much of it at the time. All right. The following day, on Monday, September 14th, Marlene received a call from her other daughter, Debbie, while at work. Debbie told Marlene that one of Sue's co-workers had called the house asking where Sue was because she hadn't shown up for her shift that morning. When Debbie informed the co-worker that they hadn't seen Sue since her Saturday night shift, 
the co-worker urged Debbie to report Sue missing. After hearing from Debbie, Marlene left her job and rushed to the Sagas police station. The family had lived in Sagas for 32 years at that point, and they were friends with the police chief there. Marlene ran into the station and told the officer working the desk that she had to report her daughter missing. The officer asked for her daughter's name and immediately informed Marlene that the police chief wished to speak with her and that her daughter had been found. Oh, gosh. Okay. So never a good sign. Marlene recalled, quote, I assumed that she got stuck someplace or whatever. However, the news Marlene was about to receive was much, much worse. The chief of police sat Marlene down and told her, quote, Marlene, I have some bad news. Susan was found in the trunk of her car. Marlene was in disbelief and asked, what do you mean? He explained, quote, Susan was murdered. Well, Unbeknownst to Sue's family, earlier that morning, a passerby had walked through the parking lot of an auto body shop in a town called Revere. So Revere was a small town located between Boston and Sue's hometown of Sagas. Okay. As he made his way past a vehicle parked in the parking lot, he noticed a pool of blood leaking from the trunk onto the pavement beneath the car. After phoning the police, investigators arrived, popped open the vehicle's trunk, and found a young woman deceased inside. It was evident that she had been savagely beaten and stabbed to death. Investigators looked up the owner of the vehicle and realized it was registered to the deceased woman in the trunk, who was 27-year-old Sue. Okay. Investigators immediately began tracing Sue's whereabouts in the hours before her death. On Saturday, September 12th, so that's two days before her body was discovered, Mm -hmm. Sue had been scheduled to work an overnight shift from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. So that's the night of September 12th into the morning of September 13th. Earlier that day, Sue had attended a meeting at her parents' house. Sue's sister, Debbie, was scheduled to be married in February, and all of the bridesmaids had met to discuss wedding plans. Sue's family members informed investigators that during the meeting, they could tell that Sue was agitated and not her normal cheery self. Marlene recalled, quote, We didn't know what was going on. We could just see a change in Susan. She also stated, quote, She was very irritable, and she said, I gotta get to work, and I know they're gonna give me a hard time, but I gotta do it. Hmm. Despite her seeming reluctance to go to work, Sue did make it to Logan Airport that evening on time. Halfway through her shift, at around 1 a.m., Sue offered to go and get sandwiches for her employees. She was seen getting into her car and driving off. However, Sue never returned back to work to deliver the sandwiches and complete her shift. Hmm. Although her co-workers thought it was strange, none of them notified police, and at the end of her shift, they punched her time card for her. The next day, on Sunday, September 13th, Sue was supposed to attend a baby shower along with several of her co-workers, but Sue once again never showed up, and still her co-workers did not contact Sue's family or call the police. Wow. So these are kind of some shitty co-workers, as, and, and trust me, it gets worse. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. The following day, on Monday, September 14th, is when Sue's co-worker spoke to Sue's sister, and Sue's body was found. Wow, okay. Police were sure that Sue had been murdered shortly after leaving work at 1 a.m. on Sunday, September 13th. Due to the level of decomposition, as well as the fact that along with Sue's body, police located the cash Sue had been given to purchase the sandwiches. Oh, okay. So she still had the cash that her coworkers had given her to get the sandwiches. Wow, okay. Despite their efforts, investigators quickly ran out of leads. 
as no witnesses came forward and there was reportedly no one who had had any animosity towards Sue, according to those who knew her. In the months following Sue's disappearance, Sue's family struggled to accept Sue's horrific death. Despite their pain and heartache, her family tried their hardest to include Sue's memory in all of their family milestones. During Debbie's bridal party, she hung a portrait of her sister so she felt as if her sister was present and included in the celebration. Sue's parents found themselves avoiding entering Sue's bedroom, as they found it too painful to look at her things and be reminded of what they'd lost. Sue had been a huge fan of Snoopy and had a large collection of Snoopy dolls in her room, and it was the one symbol that always reminded Marlene of her beloved daughter. So much so that she even reached out to Charles Schultz, the artist who created Snoopy, and requested that he draw a unique version of Snoopy in honor of Sue. And he did it. Oh, nice. And that image was actually engraved on Sue's tombstone. Okay. So that's pretty cool that Charles Schultz did that. Yeah. However, in spite of the pain it caused her to see these symbols of Sue, Marlene entered Sue's room shortly before Christmas of 1993, over a year after Sue's death. Marlene wanted to find something of Sue's to put up with the Christmas decorations to include Sue in the holiday season. As Marlene searched through Sue's room, she ended up finding much more than she bargained for. Oh boy. Hidden in Sue's bedroom, Marlene found Sue's diary. Marlene excitedly began looking through it, hoping to reminisce on happy moments within Sue's life. But Marlene was horrified to discover that the diary did not contain happy memories at all, but instead contained notes Sue had recorded on numerous instances of sexual harassment she'd endured while working for Northwest Airlines. Oh, wow. Okay. Marlene was horrified at what she read. Sue had never disclosed any of these instances to her family. Marlene recalled to Inside Edition, quote, We were shocked because she didn't really show us too much. We could see how irritable she was, but sometimes Sue could be like that if she needed more sleep. But we truly didn't realize what she was going through. We really didn't. Marlene knew that once Sue had become a supervisor, many of the men hadn't liked the idea of answering to a woman. However, Marlene was unaware of how bad it had gotten with these men. Marlene remembered, quote, She said the men gave her a very hard time. A lot of times they didn't want to do anything and she'd get stuck doing it. She said it really aggravated her, but she knew they just didn't want her as a boss. But despite all of the harassment and torment Sue endured, she was insistent on not letting these sexist men win. When her mother suggested that she quit and work somewhere else, Sue reportedly told her, quote, I'm not going to let them get to me. Marlene told Mass Live, quote, nobody was going to force her out of a job, no one, and I'm proud of her for that. Here are several of the incidents that Sue recorded in this diary. Okay. During one instance, Sue wrote that following a shift, she went to open her locker and someone had drawn a coffin inside the door, and inside of the coffin was written her name, Susan. Okay. Sue also reported finding demeaning graffiti about her written in the cargo hold of several of the Northwest jets. So as they were loading the bags, they were writing, like, sexual graffiti about her, basically. Right. Sue then wrote about an instance where she returned to her locker, and it was evident that someone had urinated inside of it and all over her belongings. Oh, Jesus. In another instance, Sue was sitting in the break room, minding her own business, when unprovoked, one of her male co-workers grabbed her radio and threw it to the ground where it smashed to pieces. The man simply then turned around and left the room. 
Sue followed him and demanded that he purchase her another radio, but the man just laughed at her and reportedly said, what's the matter? Is your little punk boyfriend going to beat me up? He's lucky I don't kill him. Okay. Sue also recorded her numerous attempts to report these incidents to higher-ups within the company, who for the most part completely ignored the issue. In her diary, Sue claimed that managers, instead of reprimanding these men for their actions, told Sue to, quote, let it go, and, quote, don't let these people know it bothers you. Just sit back and ignore it. Wow. So horrible. Yep. So she really endured some bad shit. Yep. Marlene immediately brought the diary to investigators, but nothing in the diary ever led to any arrests. Finally, a year after finding the diary, Marlene and her husband decided to sue Northwest Airlines for sexual harassment. Eventually, the two parties reached a settlement. Northwest Airlines agreed to pay Sue's estate $75,000 and contribute an additional $250,000 to fund a reward for any information leading to a conviction in Sue's case. However, despite this settlement, Northwest Airlines denied any wrongdoing in Sue's case. Of course. Following the settlement, a representative from the airline held a press conference and stated, quote, Northwest took many, many steps specific to Susan Taraskowitz to try to prevent this, and Northwest believes it did all it could under the circumstances. Horseshit. Yeah, so fuck Northwest Airlines. I'm mm-hmm. glad that those sexist dingleberries <laughs> no longer have a company and they fucking yeah. suck. According to Marlene, she and her family did not find any solace in the settlement, as according to Marlene, she felt the money was, quote, blood money. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's a drop, that's not even, that's pennies for Northwestern, I'm sure, at the time that, you know. Well, and if it were me, I'd honestly have donated that 75000 to some sort of women's rights organization. Because I wouldn't have wanted to, you know, spend it. I would have just been like, here, it's, I'm going to use this fucked up shit to, like, help other people. I would have used it and, well, I guess that would be slanderous, but I would, like, take out art, art, like, newspaper ads and stuff, stating what happened. Honestly, that's a good, yeah, put, put up a billboard and be like, Northwest fucking sucks. That's it. Or honestly, just, like, show pictures of the diary. Right, yeah, well, I'm sure there was, um in the settlement, there was probably verbiage and stuff in there that they couldn't yeah. speak of it or, you know. Despite merging with Delta in 2008, Delta agreed to uphold the $250,000 reward offered by Northwest. When Inside Edition reached out to Delta for comment on the reward, Delta responded, quote, Delta stands by the commitment to honor the $250,000 reward that Northwest offered after this tragedy occurred for information leading to an arrest and conviction in this case. So good on Delta, at least, because okay, yeah. I guess legally they didn't have to do that. They just agreed to. Right. Interestingly, in the months leading up to Sue's murder, several of Sue's co-workers, so this is before the murder. Okay. Several of Sue's co-workers were arrested for stealing credit cards. As it turned out, Sue's baggage department co-workers had developed an elaborate and organized credit card theft ring. These employees would steal credit cards, which came through the mail shipments which were transported as cargo on Northwest planes. Hmm. Ten baggage handlers involved would then use the cards to go on elaborate spending sprees. Wow, okay. Following their arrest, they were officially charged with stealing upwards of $7 million, but investigators have since claimed that the true number was actually much higher. That was just like a agreed-upon settlement. Wow, okay. 
So that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. For 10 people? Yeah. Yeah. According to the Boston Globe, within the court documents from this case, it was evident that some of Sue's co-workers believed that Sue had been the one to snitch on the employees involved. Mm, okay. However, Sue and the investigators claimed that she had had no knowledge of the theft ring. Although, interestingly, according to an article written in the Chelsea Record, many of the co-workers Sue mentioned as her harassers in her diary were also involved in this theft ring. Hmm. Imagine that. Yeah, shitty people Uh doing shitty things. That's it. Sue's mother told investigators that she recalled asking Sue about the theft ring after seeing a story on it on the evening news. Marlene asked Sue if she knew about the scam and if this is why Sue's co-workers had been giving Sue such a hard time at work. Marlene claims that Sue told her, quote, I had no idea about this. I don't know anything about that. I just felt that they were harassing me because I'm the boss. Well, okay. Although to this day, Marlene believes that Sue had no knowledge of the theft ring, following Sue's death, Marlene believes that perhaps Sue had been murdered because her co-workers truly believed that Sue had ratted them out and wanted revenge. Right. She basically believes that Sue really didn't know about this ring, but for whatever reason, they mistakenly thought she did and right. thought she was the rat. Right. And once that idea is placed in, you know, in the heads of those people, it's hard to convince them of anything else. Right. However, law enforcement claims that they have thoroughly investigated these claims and no arrest ever resulted from their investigation. However, right. during a press conference later in 2012, Suffolk County District Attorney Daniel Conley was asked about the possibility of this theft ring being involved in Sue's murder. And according to the Chelsea Record, he answered, quote, That is one avenue the detectives have explored for the last 20 years. They definitely have looked at whether or not this was instrumental in Sue's murder. The evidence has not progressed on that to the point that gives us confidence we can use it to identify a suspect or suspects. So... That kind of sounds to me like a very uh, politically correct way of saying um, it's not completely off the table. We just have insufficient evidence to make an arrest. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's an investigative, like you said, and it's an avenue that they looked at because. Right. There's motive there. There's clearly motive there. So. During this same press conference, Marlene stated, quote, you know who you are and it doesn't matter where you are. Please come forward and tell us. I will never give up. I will never go away until I get peace and justice for Susan. Sad. It's also important to consider that on the night Sue disappeared, despite her never returning to work, her co-workers still punched her time card at the end of her shift, making it appear as if she had returned. Was this them trying to protect Sue from getting in trouble at work? Or was it an attempt to delay anyone from noticing that she had disappeared? Right. Could be Right. It could go either way. So... Right. And the, the employees, if it was done to protect her, are never going to say it because they'll get in trouble for doing it. Right. And the person, if it was done to cover up or throw the proverbial scent off the trail, naturally they're not going to confess either. Right. Until, yeah. In all of the years since Sue's death, Marlene has been unrelenting in her search for her daughter's killer. She claims to be in regular contact with the investigators who are still working Sue's case. Until 2020, Marlene held yearly vigils to honor Sue's memory and to remind the community that a killer may still be on the loose. According to an online blog called Mamma Mia, during a vigil held in 2017, Marlene told the crowd, quote, I survived these years through hope, 
faith, and the support of many of you here today. If we keep praying and hoping, I know we will get justice for Sue. In the months following Sue's death, Marlene was sure that the killer would come and visit Sue's grave. As a result, she would often hide behind bushes and watch for visitors she didn't know. During her interview with Inside Edition, Marlene laughed, recalling a time that she saw a stranger approaching Sue's grave and jumped out from behind nearby bushes, demanding to know who the man was. As it turned out, this poor man was just there to visit another grave and had simply been walking by Sue's grave and was terrified. Oh, wow. In 1995, Marlene succeeded in getting Sue's case featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, but sadly, no leads resulted from the episode. At one point, Marlene received a call from a prisoner who told her that he had information on her daughter's death. Marlene drove all the way to the prison to meet the man, but when she arrived, she was informed that the whole thing had been a prank. So fuck that guy. Yeah. I just will never understand how people do that shit. There's just, people are evil. People are just shit. Some, not all, but. It's just, I'm like, what in, I mean, clearly he's already in jail, so he probably doesn't have the uh, best moral compass. But it's like, right. dude, really? I was going to say he probably try, was going to try to blackmail her. Or, yeah, something. You got to give me some money in my commissary for me to give you the info. So in September of 2016, that's exactly 26 years after Sue's murder, Marlene helped erect several huge billboards in her daughter's honor. The billboards were donated by Clear Channel Outdoor and sat alongside major roadways throughout Boston and featured a huge photograph of Sue and featured the state police phone number and a request for any information regarding her murder. During this time, Suffolk County District Attorney Daniel Conley told Boston.com, quote, We've always believed that someone out there knows what happened to Susan and who is responsible. I'm grateful to Clear Channel Outdoor for helping us reach potential witnesses and remind them that it's never too late to come forward and it's never been safer to do so. Also during this time, Sue's mother assisted state police in recording numerous videos about Sue's case, hoping to elicit more leads. However, still no substantial witnesses came forward with any information. So I am happy to report that in 2020, it does appear that Marlene has since rethought her idea of women working in male-dominated positions. Okay. Because in an interview with Inside Edition, she was asked about her feelings on the uh, Me Too movement, because that was going on at the time. Right. And Marlene stated, quote, Women are coming forward and telling what they're going through. It took Susan a long time to do that. I'm so proud that they're doing that, because we're all entitled to do the job you want, as long as you're qualified for it. Here, here. So I think it's beautiful that she kind of... Acknowledged. Yeah, through this this struggle, she's kind of changed her viewpoint as a result of all that her daughter went through, you know? Right. And, um, and she recognizes that her daughter deserved to have that job no matter what her sex was. Absolutely, yeah. I just think Marlene is such a badass because she really is. Right. She's gone above and beyond and done... Yeah. Literally hiding in bushes to scare people at the grave. Yeah, I mean... To... Yeah. <laughs> she is a dogged mother that's never going to give up, and I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean... You want to know what happened, you know, like, yeah, you said, you know, tell family members and stuff. It's like, uh, there's never closure. Like, I don't believe in that word closure, but you have to give people answers so that they can process, you know, what's happened in the grief so that they can learn to move forward and live with that pain because it's always there. Never, you know, it never goes away. There's nothing that can be said, done, 
you know, that for anybody who's a vic, you know, who's a family member of a victim of, of crime that, you know, there, I don't, there's no such thing as closure, at least in, in my mind. So, right. you know, but those questions need answers, you know, that's so that people can, so their minds can be put at ease and right. You know, so. And sometimes what you imagine to have happened is, e- is even worse than what actually Absolutely. did. You know what I mean? Yeah, because our, our brain always goes to worst case scenario. I mean, so. obviously, in this case, what actually happened is pretty bad considering right. her injuries. But is there is there information like I, I know they said that they found her in the trunk of her car, stabbed and, and beaten. Um, the money was still there, so it wasn't a robbery. Correct. Was she sexually assaulted? I'm assuming, remember, this is still an open case, so there yeah, there, so there may be some stuff that the police are purposely withholding, but, Absolutely, yeah. and everything I read, there was never any mention of her being raped at all. Okay, okay, so, yeah, so, and if the cash was still on her, then robberies, you know, probably not a motive, so that is going to focus the investigation to it being a personal, right. you know, personal thing, whether it's domestic related, which if she lived at home, there was no mention of a boyfriend or anything like that. No. So then naturally the focus is going to be to Northwest and, you know, those employees or whoever. Right. Um, as being part of it. So. As of today, Sue's case remains open and is still being investigated. In 2020, the Massachusetts State Police posted a public appeal for information on their Facebook page. It read, quote, we are certain there are people who have information. Whatever reasons you have had not to come forward thus far do not matter anymore. Time passes, people and motivations change, things that didn't seem important suddenly do, and vice versa. Fears and worries shrink away and pale in comparison to the realization of what is right and just. It is long past time for anyone who can help this family to bring some peace and to do right by Susan, to step up and do just that. Absolutely. Whoever their um, social media person is, very good writer. Yeah. I'll reaffirm that in the sense that uh, I, we've spoken about this on the podcast before. When I when I would receive like Crime Stopper tips, I didn't even know who called it in. Right. I would get a, a, a reference number so that I could reference like the, the Crime Stopper. Um, I don't want to call it a case, but I guess, um, you know, they categorize every phone call gets like in their records or in their system, a case number or like a generated number which is the one that I would refer to to get the information. I didn't even get, you know, a name and I wasn't allowed to keep the tip or disclose it or anything or use it in my investigation in the sense that I had to return it to them with the findings, like either it was a credible tip and, you know, it produced a lead or an arrest or it was unfounded. And then I was not allowed to keep a record of that, like notification that I received in the case file. I could refer to the case number right. that, you know, that I received a tip under so-and-so case number, but that's it. And then if anybody wanted to pursue it, they would have to go through them and, you know, it was very guarded. So, uh, you know, you can report anonymously and it, and it stays anonymous even within the, 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 the police department or the investigating uh, agency because, you know, that's um, law enforcement relies on that avenue of information gathering greatly. So... You know, I definitely want to put it out there that you can remain anonymous and you will not be found like found out like, you know. Yeah. If you don't so. want to be. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's good to know, because as you know, just a layman or a citizen, I've always wondered, yeah. like, is it really anonymous? You know what I mean? It is. Now, I don't know specifically if if a person gives the tip that actually, you know, 
for a reward, let's say, where where it qualifies. Because this one, the reward's still out there, 250000 So Right, but what I'm saying is I don't know the process as far as how the money is delivered to the anonymous complainant or whatever. Like, I'm sure, yeah. I like, I never w- experienced that or was part of that process, so I can't speak to that. But as far as the transfer of information from, like, the phone call or the email that goes to the Crime Stoppers office and then how it's relayed to us... It's very secured and very it's very anonymous, even to the investigators. So I just you know want to just wanted to reiterate that that you know, so like you said, so that the layman can feel comfortable and, and know that it's a well guarded system. System, absolutely, yeah. So, so Marlene ended her interview with Inside Edition, insisting that she was hopeful that her daughter's killer would be caught and convicted before her death. She stated, quote, I want them to know that they took the life of my beautiful daughter. I live with it every day. I pray that I will be here to see the justice. So anyone who has any information regarding Sue's case is urged to call the Massachusetts State Police at 617-727-8817. So if anybody out there knows anything. Or call your local Crime Stoppers and they will relay the message to them. But, right. you know, that's a more direct line is to the Massachusetts State Police, but you can call them anywhere in the United States. And I assure you that information will get passed to where it needs to go. So, Well, that was a very sad case, especially considering that there's yet to be any justice and there's somebody walking around out there who committed this horrible crime and they're just free. Yeah. And as a, I want to say a listener, but as like an investigator also, and I know why, the lack of information that was given for us to be able to discuss naturally is because the case is still open and I understand that, you know, you want to protect the investigation and everything, but it's like, I would love to know like what information they do have, what, you know, unfortunately we won't until hopefully somebody is, is identified and arrested and then, you know, we'd be able to know, but it's very sad, very sad case for sure. But what does your investigator instinct tell you? Do you think that it's most, most likely possible that the co-workers were involved? Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely somebody from from where she worked, whether it was a subordinate who, like a, a, a you know, a male or even a female who didn't like her being the boss, mm-hmm. or very credibly, if the people, those 10 that were running that theft ring, if they had it in their mind that she was the snitch, you know, it's hard to get people off of, like, especially criminals because that's like the their golden rules, like snitches, you know, snitches get stitches or whatever, right. you know, rat, rats get killed or whatever. So if that idea is introduced and it's actually, and even if it's false information, but they have some type of information that would make it a credible thing that she was the person that told, to get them off of that is, is damn near impossible. So it's definitely some, you know, an employee, whether it's one of the 10 that were in that theft ring. Or right. just somebody, like you said, because she did endure all of that harassment, you know, from her male co-workers or subordinates or whatever, that, you know, some people are just fucking batshit crazy and, you know, and the fact that she wasn't robbed, she wasn't, I mean, maybe she was or was not sexually assaulted, but, you know. I kind of lean to think that she wasn't just because at this point with so many years have passed, I feel like they would have yeah, put that out there by now. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seemed like anger-driven or like, uh, I want to say revenge, like rage. but rage, yeah, rage-driven, yeah. like, fuck you, you know, you're never going to be my boss, or you're never going to tell me what to do, or, you know, 
So, yeah. or you took my job or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So. And also, before I forget, I forgot to mention who actually suggested this case. Already? The case was actually suggested by Stacy. So, Stacy, thank you so much for suggesting it. Sorry, I forgot to say it at the beginning. But yeah, Stacy, shout out to you. We do have a question. All right. This one's from Carol Ann. So, hi, Carol Ann. Hello, Carol Ann. She said, my daughter's name is Cassandra, but we always called her Cassie. I wondered if your name is also shortened or is it just Cassie? So I'm just Cassie. Just Cassie. And her name was Cassandra. So kind of like just Jack, I'm just Cassie. So yeah, I get that question a lot. People assume my name's either Cassidy and it's shortened to Cassie Mm -hmm. or Cassandra, but nope, just Cassie. Just Cassie. That's what it says on the old birth certificate. Which is, it's funny because I, I can't remember if I've talked about this before or not, but my name growing up, nobody really ever had my name. Yeah. I never really yes, I never was. really met anybody named Cassie. But it's starting to become popular now. In pretty much every television show or movie I see lately, there's a Cassie in it. Yeah. I've met a couple like even out here, like my move to, to Nevada or Las Vegas and we've met a couple people that named Cassandra that go by Cass or Cassie or so it's definitely but yeah, when you were when you were a little one, it was uh definitely a unique name. So I always liked my name because no one had it, yeah. and I, I was like, yeah. But um, yes, apparently it's become a popular now. Getting up there. So yeah, thank you for the question, Carol Ann. We will be back next week with a brand new case. If you would like to make a case suggestion, that would be great. We've been getting a lot of them lately, and I love it. You can. There's always going to be a link in the show notes that you can do that at, or you can always email us at can'tmaketheshituppod at gmail.com which is also the, our email address is also in our show notes. But yeah, also, if you have a question, send it our way. As always, if you'll join us on our social media, we are on Instagram at Can't Make This Shit Up Pod. We're on Facebook at Can't Make This Shit Up, a true crime podcast. And then we're also on Twitter at CMTSU Pod. So hopefully we'll see you there. Keep your wasp sprays at the ready. And I also just wanted to give a big shout out to all of you guys because I've had so many of you reach out to me lately and say that that you've given us reviews or that you're sharing us with your friends and family and you're spreading the word. So that really means a lot to us and it really, really helps us a lot. Yes. We can't thank you enough. Absolutely. Thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. We definitely, definitely love the support and appreciate it and glad that you all like what we're putting together here. And um, just a reminder, if you guys ever post us on Instagram, make sure that you um, tag us in the mentions because we'll repost that shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess until next week. Another one in the can. Till next week. Till next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.